All right, well, welcome to Relevant Faith Church this morning. My name is Mike Womer. I'm the lead pastor here at Relevant Faith, and we are excited that you are here this morning. I hope that you have enjoyed worship so far. And what a special, special day and time to celebrate together. Water baptism is awesome. It's also a special day because we have our children in here with us, a family Sunday. We do this every so often usually coinciding with the fifth Sunday of a month, and um, we do it just um, so that we can all worship together, have an enjoyable family time together. And so this morning, I've even ventured into asking a couple of young people, children, to help me preach this morning. So uh, this, is, uh, this is even a setup for something that we're going to do later in the summer. We're going to do a, um, a multi-generational tag team type message where we're going to have children, teenagers, young adults, adults, and older saints preaching the gospel together. Um, I'm looking forward to that. We're working on setting that up. It's going to be an awesome time. And so, but, um, but this morning, we are in a series. We have been in a series entitled Game Changer. And so we've been talking about things and specific truths and spiritual things that are game changers when it comes to our faith. And so you can log on rfcpeoria.com and check out the messages uh, the, we've had. This is, we've had it. We've been in that series for three weeks. This is the fourth week of this series, and it's been a powerful time. And God's been revealing so many really cool truths to us. But so the idea of game changer, the game changer, the, the reason for that phrase is it's that aha moment where you see something you previously haven't seen. And so whenever you look at Scripture, I've looked at Scripture for years. I have studied the Word for years. I've been preaching for, uh, for almost 20 years, and I, and I love God's Word. And every time I sit down to get into it with God, it always shows me things I haven't seen before. And it shows me in different ways. I think some of that is connected because of my, my faith and the depth of my faith. Some of it is stuff I've just not focused on or seen in those moments. And so... Today we are going to have another one of those, one of those moments that I believe in. I believe it's a, these transformational truths that can take our lives from the ordinary lives that we live to the extraordinary that I believe God has for us. Now I believe that when Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have, my, my, have that life more abundantly. Some say to fullness, but I believe the reality is that God has this abundant life that he desires for each one of us to live. And I know that in sometimes in our current situations, it's difficult to even see that. And so last week, we talked about this idea of remaining with Christ. And our game-changing truth was that we are what we repeatedly do. And so we talked about in order to live this, this life that Jesus, I believe Jesus has for us, that we have to remain connected, we have to remain committed, and we have to remain convicted. Those are three things we talked about. You can listen to that message full on, on our website if you like. Um, but today we are going to talk about another, I believe, a very sign another significant truth. And we're going to unpack the Word of God and talk about purpose today. Purpose is one of the things that I am so passionate about talking about and preaching. I have preached it so many times. And each time I do, God shows something and reveals something different in what I, what I am speaking. And so... So I'm going to set up this message with a very popular passage of Scripture. As a matter of fact, this passage of Scripture is one of the, the most misquoted, misinterpreted Scriptures in all of the Bible. And 
And, and like I said, I already shared, today is Family Sunday, and we had an awesome time with our water baptisms. Our children are in here with us. We even have a fill-in-the-blank for our children, so our, your children can keep track. There, there's a couple of points in here that are just for them, that I am also going to be connecting with them, and hopefully they get something out of the message. The idea, part of the idea behind this is that it gives you some information and some things that you can then go home and actually put together, study together, and work together as a family, do a devotion together, see what you get out of the word together, those types of things. And so, so this morning, I'm going to invite a young lady to come up. She's going to help me with this opening scripture that we're going to unpack. This is a, a very special young lady here at Relevant Faith. She's, um, she's near and dear to my heart for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because she's a little, she got a little preacher in her. All right, there's been times her family has shared with me that she will actually set up church in her house with stuffed animals, and she'll preach, and she'll open the Word, and she'll preach the Word of God, which is awesome. And one time, she even had a, a little board that said Relevant Faith Church on it. And so I was like, oh, that is awesome. This girl's going to have to preach one day in this place. And so I'm going to invite Miss Olivia, if she'll come up, she's going to share with us. Give her a hand. She's a it's awesome when our children, she's going to share with us the opening passage of scripture that we're going to begin to unpack and break down today. So Olivia, here is the microphone. You get an actual microphone to preach with now. You ready? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Nice job, sweetie. Thank you so much. So this passage of scripture is one of those that is very quoted often and often misquoted and often even misinterpreted. And so if you're a child in here and you're keeping track with Pastor Mike's message this morning, there is something in your notes for this, this moment. Is, and I want you to, it's a, it's a very important truth for you as a young person to see and to know, is that while you might be small, God has big plans for you. If you are a child in this place, you might be small, but God has big plans for you. So let's unpack this passage of scripture just a little bit. There's a few of those aha moments that I had personally in this message. And so let's, let's break it down a little bit. When, when Jeremiah is giving this message and he speaks of the word plans, you have to first understand that these are God's plans first and foremost. He says, I have a plan for you. So he has a plan specifically for you. They are first and foremost his plans. On top of that, when you investigate the word plans in the original Hebrew language, it has a lot of different contexts and it actually refers to in many different places as being an artistic design. It's referred to as having creative works and even inventive ideas. So now when we take that context and we put that together and say, God has a plan for me. God has actually a work for you that has, has an artistic design. It's creative and it's inventive and it's actually specific to you. Yes, that is true. There is a work that God has designed that's specific to you. While it may be similar to something that someone else is doing, it is actually specific to you. Like, for instance, the call that God has placed on my life to pastor a church. A lot of people pastor churches. 
I pass through the church the way I feel like God is leading me to pass through the church. And it's very different for me than it is for some others. There's a, a family who's here who's part of family. They're home on Sunday morning. My, my good friends Gary and Nicole Velasquez who were here as part of leaders and on staff. They, they are planting a church in the south end of Peoria. And they are, they are seeing God do some amazing things as they are deep involved in their community. And they get there. They get so involved. They're cleaning up and they're doing some different things inside of their community that are powerful. He's a pastor of a church and his, the way his call shapes out and the way my call shapes out are very different. We're doing a similar thing, but they're different. Their call is unique to them. It's creative to them. The work that God has, has a design that's for them. And so God has a plan that he desires to unfold for you that is uniquely yours. So when he says, when he goes on to say, they are plans for good and not for disaster. This idea of good, it, it, it just loses something in the English translation. When you hear the word good, it's like, uh, how, was, how was that chicken last night? It was good. You know, we put that word on something, but it actually loses translation here because the better translation of that word would simply be that it is complete, that it is sound, that it brings contentment. So the plans that God has for you, the artistic and the creative and the, and the inventive ideas that God has for you, they bring completeness, they bring soundness, they bring contentment to your heart. That's the good that he is responding to you. It's, it's matter of fact, it's designed to get you to a place in life where you could shout, regardless of where you are in life, it is well with my soul. That's, that's, that's part of the plan of God. This good plan that he has is to bring you to a place where you can literally say, it is well with my soul. doesn't matter where I am. doesn't matter what I'm going through. doesn't matter how much, how much pain I am experiencing or suffering. It is well with my soul. That's part of the plan of God to bring completeness and soundness and contentment to your life. Then he goes on. He doesn't go on just to say just good, but not for disaster, meaning I have not given a plan to cause misery in your life. I have not given a plan to cause adversity in your life. I have not given a plan that is displeasing in my eyes or even poisonous for you. See, that's a challenging thought process for some because when we experience some things that cause suffering, we, the first thing we ask is, God, why are you doing this to me? But he's very clear to Jeremiah when he speaks and Jeremiah speaks to the, to the nation of Israel. He's very, very clear when he says they're not to, as a, to harm you. They're not as a disaster. They're not to tear you down. They're not even poisonous or displeasing. Matter of fact, they're quite the opposite. Therefore, what he says is a future and a hope. A future and a hope. And here's what's interesting because the specific definition of this Hebrew word is it's, it's not what you think. This is the part that was kind of like an aha moment for me, okay? So I'm going to hopefully share it as, as best as I can as it was for me in my heart. But this is, this is really how it weighed out. And so when he says that I have given you a future and a hope, the actual Hebrew word is the word cord. Yes, like cord, like a string cord is the Hebrew word for future and hope in that, in that, in, for the word future in that context and hope. Because... That word, that, that phrase was designed and it literally came from back in, the, in Joshua's day when the spies went into the promised land and they had to report. There's a story in Joshua about a woman named Rahab. And this woman named Rahab would hide away these spies so that others wouldn't then come and 
capture them and kill them. And so Joshua's instructions to Rahab were to hang this cord, this scarlet cord, in your window. And so hang this scarlet cord in your window because then when the nation of Israel then comes into the promised land to take what God has promised them, we will know this is your place. Matter of fact, put your family inside of your house because this cord is your hope. This cord is your future. It's a really interesting thought process when I started to unpack that and say, wow, this word literally means a cord. It's used 37 different times in scripture and 37 different times it's the same word. And so when I look at it and say, there was this cord, it was placed in the window so that the people who were coming to take the land that God had promised them would know this is a family that is on the side of God. So that was their hope. This scarlet cord hanging in the window was their hope and their future. So when he would speak of this, when the prophet Jeremiah would speak of this hope and this future, this cord, he would actually suggest there is power in this future. There is hope and there is preservation in this future. As a matter of fact, Rahab would probably cling to it because this was the hope of her family's survival. And so that's what the prophet is saying. He said, he's saying God has promised, has great big plans for you. They are plans not to harm you, but they are inventive. They are creative. They are meant to give you hope, the kind of hope that ensures your survival. Man, that is just so powerful when I can digest all of that. And then if we fast forward to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 14, just a couple of verses later, he says, He's talking about if you seek me, he says, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Here's what's, this was a, a powerful truth that Jeremiah was speaking because the Israelites were in captivity for years. They were subjected to someone else's rule. They were enslaved. They were mistreated. They were forced into some pretty heinous and difficult situations. And Jer the prophet Jeremiah is telling them, hey, God has plans for you. They're not to harm you. Can you imagine being in the depths of slavery and thinking, I have no way out and yet God says, I have plans for you. They're not to harm you. How many times do we get into a situation in our own hearts, in our own lives, where we feel like how, there's no end? When is this going to end? When, where is my hope? Where is my, where's the end of this? Where's the light at the end of this tunnel, so to speak? What, what is going on? There's something I am missing that I just, I just have to have, and yet I'm not having it. God, why? That's the conversation. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one in this place that asks God why when I suffer. And if that's the case, then praise God, you guys are so much holier than me. But the reality is, he's, in the same context of the plan that he has, is the captivity and the exiled nation of Israel, he says to them, seek me. He says, and I will be found by you. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. I feel like somebody in this place this morning just needs to know and hear that in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your pain and your suffering, you just need to seek him and continue to seek him because when you do, you, he will be found 
by you. And then not only will he be found, but then you, he will bring restoration to your life. He will end your captivity and bring restoration to your life. So we know that God has these amazing, very specific, very creative plans and work for each of us to do. But the question I, I, I ask, the way my brain works logically, is, okay, I read about this. Then I say, okay, well, how do I access this work? How do I access this plan? And so to help us with this, another special young man that I've asked to help me. He was just baptized this morning. Help, help, where's Chandler at? Welcome Chandler up here. Where's he at? Come on up here, Chandler. Chan man. So, so we digested the fact that God has a plan for us. Turn around here, kiddo. We digested the fact that God has a plan for us. And when I think about the young people that are here this morning and the ones that are speaking, I, I believe, not, and we love children in this place from, from the youngest to the oldest. I just, I even said this morning, I'm 43 years old, but I'm only an adult by legal age. I like to be young as much as possible, although don't necessarily feel that way most times, but I like to be young. And so one of the things that is awesome about young people here is, is in this church is this is a place where my heart and my plan and purpose is to give young folks and the opportunity to develop the call that God has in their life. And this is just, just like Olivia, I believe, is somebody who's got a call in their life. And so I've asked him to come. He's going to share with you the passage of scripture that he didn't bring any paper with him. Oh, he's got it. Okay. May not even need it though, right? So he's going to share the passage of scripture that we're going to now break down next. It's going to help us and teach us how to access this plan of God. Yeah, man. It's all yours. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Romans 12, chapters 1 through 2, NLT. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Wow. Wow. Chan Man. He just got that yesterday. Man, I am envious of you and your brain, kid. Good job. Give him a hand as you make it. You, want to, you just want to preach the rest of the message? <laughs> Go ahead and have a seat, kiddo. Wow, what a great job. That's impressive. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, right? He says, he pleads with them. To give your body to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living in holy sacrifice, the kind that will be acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So if you're, if you're a child in here and you've got your blanks and you're tracking along with us a little bit, this is the opportunity for you to write in your blank where you say, I give myself to Jesus, because that's what Paul's actually talking about. Give yourself over to Jesus. Sacrifice your will. That's part of why I pray the way I pray when I pray in the beginning of service. I say, I pray like John the Baptist prayed, that I would decrease so that you might increase, simply because 
I want you to receive from God, not me. Because if it comes from me, it's limited in its ability. When it comes from God, it's got unlimited power. And so that's why I pray the way that I pray, because I want, I want this, the, anything that I say or do to be glorifying and honoring to God. And so in order to access this plan, this work that God has, we have to understand a few things. And, and here's, here's the things that I want you to understand this morning. That number one, there is an acceptable sacrifice. For your notes this morning, if you're keeping track with us, that blank is there is an acceptable sacrifice. See, I, 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 I preach this often. I say this often. Where, there, where, what, where something is written in Scripture... You can take it for what it says, but you can also look into what it does not say in that particular context. And he says there is an acceptable sacrifice. If there is an acceptable sacrifice, then guess what? There's an unacceptable sacrifice that goes along with that. And so he says in verse 1, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. He pleads. He's begging at this point. He says, I plead with you. Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. When Paul writes, give your bodies, there's this image of something here that's so powerful. There's this image that is, is so powerful. The word give, listen, again, it, it, it loses something in the English. So when you study scripture, please, 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 study the original context and language because it's so much more power. He says the word give literally means to come up and stand by Jesus. That's what the word means. It's not just, okay, here's my heart, I give it to you. It's come up, there's a literal rising. You come up and you stand by Jesus. It's at, as a matter of fact, it's almost in the same context as being presented to Christ. Some versions actually even say present yourself a living sacrifice. When he says give, it's come up. Stand by Jesus and be presented. It's kind of the same thing. It's a, very, it's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen upon that day when, when death arrives at your door and, and Jesus and you, and you are no longer to be absent from the body to be present with Christ and you're present with Christ and then the time comes when Christ comes back to redeem his church. He's, there's going to be a time where you come up and you are presented to Christ. You are presented for eternity to Christ. And, and it's, it's the same foreshadowing, the same thing that's happening. And it says to stand almost as a presentation. Can you imagine that? Paul's cry is that you would come up and stand by Jesus. Wow. Come up and stand by Jesus. And when he talks about being living and holy, it's, sim it's very simple. It's, it's be real. Be active. Be endlessly blessed in the kingdom of God. That's what living and holy means. It simply means be, have real life. That's why the, one of the things that Relevant Faith Church were founded on and when we planted this church is, was literally real faith for real life. That's what Relevant Faith is about, is that real faith for real life. Because it's, it's easy to have faith when life is going well, but when real life happens, how many know real life is things are not always well, right? When real life happens... When real life gets in the way, where's faith at that point? That's the whole idea, even of this passage of living and holy life. Literally means to be, have a real life, be active and endlessly blessed in the kingdom of God. That's the desire of God that Paul is preaching here. He's saying be endlessly blessed 
in the kingdom of God. It's a reflection. It's even a reflection of Jesus' teaching in John chapter 10, 10 that I alluded to in the beginning when he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and more abundantly. It's, it's that endless blessing of life that God has for you. That's why I know when I take Jeremiah 29, 11, and I take, I take Romans chapter 12, and I put these together, I know that there's a plan that God has for me. Even when I cannot see it, I know that there is one. I know that it's powerful. I know that it's set to accomplish a lot of things in my life, but also in the life of others and in the kingdom of God itself. And it's the same thing that he has for you. Matter of fact, when you know that there's an acceptable sacrifice, the other thing you have to understand, and number two, is that the world has a pattern. The world has a pattern. Look what it says in verse, the first half of verse number two. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The world has a pattern. Matter of fact, the message version of this same scripture actually says, don't fit into the world so well that we can't tell the difference between you and the world and you and God. That's the, the message version paraphrase. Don't fit into it so well that it's easy for you to fit into the world. If you fit into the world very easily, then you're not fitting into the kingdom of God well at all. Because the Bible's very clear. It tells us we are a peculiar people. There's something weird and different about us. And it's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that way. We're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to fit into it. As a matter of fact, he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So if we're copying the behavior and customs of this world, we're actually missing what God's trying to do as far as the plan that he has. But let God transform you into a new person. His desire is that you become new. It's like I prayed in the beginning. He loves you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. His desire is to make you new every day of your life. So the world has a pattern, and we're all tempted to join the world's pattern because it's easy. It's easy to, 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 to join into the world's pattern. It's difficult to set yourself apart. We're all tempted, what I will call, to do life backwards. That's the world's pattern. The world's pattern is backwards. We're tempted to just engage in that. No matter where we go, we will find opportunities to become part of the pattern of this world. But you'll also have as many opportunities, if not more, to hear the voice of God to be able to then do the will of God. When you, when you hear the voice of God in these opportunities, you're going to find your own life, your anger, your pride, your stubbornness, and your self-seeking ways, and you're going to put these things to death because those are actually the world's pattern. Anger, stubbornness, pride, self-seeking. These are the world's pattern. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me, but I am from time to time a prideful person. I have this ability within me very easily to stand up and say, yes, 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 I did that. Man, that's cool. Look what I did. And then I want to go tell someone, man, can you see? Look at that. I did that. That's that, that's that nature that's within me. And, and then the other part of my nature, I have a lot of issues, just so you know. The other part of my nature is that I am a pretty stubborn person. <laughs> Never fails. Never fails. Wife, she's in there on Sunday and causing problems. It's whatever. You call it truth, I call it causing problems. 
Anyway, she's not wrong though. <laughs> she is not wrong. I am stubborn. It takes me two, three, four times sometimes to get something that I should have just, and see someone else's wife just said amen. Or is that my son? It was my son, wasn't it? He's shaking his head. No. Somebody. Man, y'all messing with me now. Let me get back on track here. But the reality is this is a part of the world's pattern. Anger, pride, self, self-seeking ways, stubbornness. These are part of the world's pro- pattern. But when we put these things to death, we are able to be transformed more and more into Jesus' image. And in this way, we're doing God's will. See, we always equate doing God's will to something I'm physically doing. I have to be preaching. I have to be teaching. I have to be a missionary. I have to be evangelizing. I have to be winning people to Christ on my job, and I have to be singing, and I have to be playing an instrument. We, uh, this, is, this is overall, this is the will of God for my life. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. We relegate the will of God to these physical actions, when the reality is, if you are literally putting to death the pattern of this world and letting God transform your mind, you are in and doing the will of God. There's a lot of mind transforming that has got to take place in our society and in our world today. Everything from racism to classism to sexism to every other ism that is out there. The world has got to have their minds transformed. It's a, it's a, it's a mess. But, it need, and, but here's the truth. The hope of the world is the local church. I love missionaries, I love evangelists, I love these, I love traveling preachers and teachers, and I love when hip-hop artists and all these other people come in and partner with the church because they have impact, and they are great, but they, they do what I like to call, they blow in, they blow up, they blow out, and all that's left is the church. The church is the hope of the world. You want to see your community transformed, get in the church and help your church transform a community. That's why I love what Gary is doing on the south end of Peoria. He needs people to get into the church and transform a community. Change the way people think. And you, you can look at the south end of our city. People have this mantra of what it's like down there. What it's like there. Oh, that's over there. That's down there. That's those folks. That's this. That's the people of God. That's no different than you and me. Whether you live in Dunlap, you live in Peoria, you live in Metamora, Germantown Hills, East Peoria, Morton, Chillicothe, they're all in this room. South End, it's the, it's the family and the house and the kingdom of God right there. It's not those people, it's not that area, it's not this. I mean, you could say that, uh, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what city. If I said the word Morton, Illinois to somebody, oh, they have something to say about Morton. I say Peoria. They have something to say. East Peoria. It doesn't make a difference where you are. We have something to say. We need a mind shift. And that's doing the will of God and is allowing the will of God to change our minds. Ultimately, this is God's perfect plan for you and me, that we become free from the way that we are and be transformed into Jesus' image because that's how we were created from day one. Created in the image of God. So we need to be transformed from our own image into the image of God. Put it, I'll put it simply. The entirety of God's will right here, very simple. It's not a simple thing, but I will simplify it. Is, 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 this is the entirety as well as his plans for our lives, that we be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we prove what is God's will. That's the whole thing. Transformed by the renewing of your mind and prove what is God's will. That's where the whole come up and stand by Jesus This is something we can do regardless of whether we decide to become a doctor or a teacher or move to another country or stay at home. There are always opportunities to be transformed and renewed wherever you are. You don't have to geographically change. Because let me tell you, when you just change geography, 
That's the only thing changing. If the mind hasn't changed, the ge- geography doesn't change the mind. It doesn't. Oh, let me switch churches. Okay, switch churches. Same problems you had in that church that you left, you're going to have in the church that you go to. It may take a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or maybe even a year, but it'll be there. And then all of a sudden, you'll be that person. Eh, I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. And it's okay. Let me time change churches again. I got no problem when God calls you to look for a church and step out and to find a place to be fed and find a place to serve. I'm all for that. But if you take the same mentality that you had somewhere else and bring it with you, Nothing's going to change. Last, the last point I have is this, and then we're going to talk about a couple of very practical things, and then we're going to wrap up our message for today. Third point is this. The world has a pattern. So does God. God has a pattern. God's pattern is good and pleasing and perfect. Good and pleasing and perfect. Second half of verse 2 says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, I don't make this stuff up. I just take it right out of the scripture. So he's saying, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I love, I love scripture. I love God. It's so simple because he makes things easy. If you do this, then you will have this. It's, it's kind of simple when you think about it. It's not simple in action, but it's definitely simple in concept. So then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so I'm not going to hang out a lot of time in this one because I just I feel like that speaks so well for itself. But we think differently, we see differently, we live differently, and then we are therefore transformed. Because we think, we see, we live, and we do differently and so with that we're able to discern God's will and it's good and what did I say about good before good is complete good brings life that word pleasing is actually using in in, in an aroma it smells good Ooh, I don't know about you but I like things that smell good cologne that smells good meat on the grill smells good we'll always get into the meat you guys right we're all about meat here at Relevant Faith. Whether it's the meat of the word or the meat on the grill, we're about meat. So this, this word good, is, it, it's complete, it's whole. This word pleasing, is it's got, a, it's got an aroma about it that just, mm, it's just sweet smelling to the Lord. And then the word perfect literally means it is without blemish. The call that God has on your life is without blemish. It is perfect. His call for me to preach is perfect. Now I am not perfect. And I bring my imperfections into my preaching. As you can tell, I talk about meat. That's an imperfection I bring into my preaching. But the reality is, his will and his call is perfect. And so we connect to God's purpose one way, and it's by God's power. It's the only way to do it. You cannot connect to it by your own skill or your own talent. Your own skill and your own talent is going to get you somewhere, but it's not going to get you where he wants you to be. Matter of fact, if anything, your own skill and your own talent will oftentimes get you off track. Because there are certain, let me just, this is going to sound heresitical to some of you, but the reality is there are some things that I can do that look like they glorify God, but I do because I'm good at it. Sounds bad, right? It's gifting. There are things I'm capable of doing that will have the appearance of being glorifying God, but really have no fruit behind it because I'm not doing it with the right intention, with the right heart, or even in the power of God. I'm doing it in my own skill. 
we can get to that place pretty easily. That's why it's so important to stay connected to him. That's why we preached what we did last week about being connected to the vine. Here's the challenge that we have when it comes to discerning this God pattern. Is that we believe that it starts with us. We believe that it starts with us. I'm a big fan of a guy named David Bowden. Who's a spoken word artist. And I, and I found this online in, in it relates to the message. So just turn your eyes to the screen for just a moment or two. And after the video is over, if my worship team could come and get set, we're going to close out our time of worship this morning. So go ahead and turn your eyes to the screen and check out this video real quick. Let me tell you a lie. You will know who you are and what you're here to do when you know who you are and what you're here to do. For herein lies the lie the world is trying to get through. Getting to know yourself is the best thing you can do. That is why they say, know thyself, discover who you are and why, to your own person be true. Your greatest need is to become self-actualized. But actually, all these promises are based on an assumption that breaks when you drill down into what they're really trying to say. For trying to know who you are by simply looking inside is based on the fundamental presupposition that you are where the center of the universe lies. And that is why becoming self-actualized is actually the world's most tactical lie. Because self cannot define something bigger than itself, and who you are is comprised of not just you, but of everything else. For self cannot self-help. I cannot identify I. So we need to look somewhere else to find what we are all trying to find. For we all want to make the answers to these two questions clear. Who am I? And what am I doing here? What these two questions are really introducing are questions of being and questions of doing. Who am I? What am I doing here? Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? What was I created for? What have I been called to? And since we know that neither I nor you will ever finish questing after these questions we're all questioning through without looking beyond what our own mind can prove, then we need to plot a new course to get to the truth. So we will not accept the titles the world is hawking. We will not base who we are off of what they are offering. We will not find our identity inside inward wandering. We will not found our purpose under culture's covering. But we will look to the one who created our being to find our meaning. We will look to the one who prepared our doing to unearth our purpose. For when we find his being, we will find our own. And when we discover what he's doing, the reason for our existence will be shown. You gotta have to understand this morning that none of this starts with you. You are not the center of any of this. We are just 
pieces in God's plan, pieces in his overall scheme of what he wants to accomplish on this earth. And so we're going to move to our making it practical part for the next two or three minutes. I like to try to bring something practical to the message and to the preaching so there's something I can take home and something I can physically do with it. And so here's how we make this practical. And you heard it in the video. I've preached this idea before, which is why I love this video. Is you simply ask. You ask what? You ask what is God doing in this earth and how does my life fit? We oftentimes say, God, what is your plan for my life? What is your plan for my life? How are you using me? What am I here for? All the things you heard in that video. When the reality, the greatest question you can ask is, what is God doing in the earth and how does my life fit? How do you make your decision on what you do and whether you do it? Do you ask yourself, is it good? Is it acceptable? Is it perfect? Now we realize that nothing is perfect in life, but we can ask the question, is it good? Is it acceptable to God? If the answer seems to be yes, then I say do it. Prove that it's God's will. Test it. When you seek, you will find. God, God never, God never, I, I've never once in, in, in my 20 years of serving God, I've never, I have never one time felt like God said I'm supposed to do something and then it was never confirmed. That it was only said once. I, I don't ever remember a time in like that. I do remember many times where I felt like this is what God's calling me to do. And I asked the question, what are you doing in this earth? How do I fit into this process? And I asked the question, and I received what I believe to be an answer, only to have that very answer confirmed days, weeks, or even months later. Sometimes even years later. But I always have seen God confirm. So ask. Number two, know. Know that God places specific desires in your heart. Maybe this is how he does it. Maybe you see single moms all around you and think someone needs to make a place for women and kid, with kids to connect. Maybe you pass some, this, the same homeless person every day on your way to work and think someone should do something for him. Maybe you see a broken process in your church and in this church, in their community or in your workplace and think we could reach more people if someone would just fill in the blank. The question I would ask you is, what if the someone that God wants to work through is you? Have you ever done that? Have you ever driven by something and just said, if somebody would just this, this place would be better. Or if somebody would just this, then this, then we would have to be able to reach more people. Or if somebody should help this homeless person or help this single mom. If you ever said that, what if the someone is you? What if that is God's plan that the someone is you. Can I, can I just help you in? I'm just going to clue you in. I'm going to give away the story. It is you. You are the hands and the feet of Christ on earth. He walked the earth for three years, suffered the same sin that we suffered, suffered through the same temptation, the same struggle, the same life. He suffered in ways that we never will because he was sacrificed and he was crucified and he died. He suffered in ways we will never understand. And he did it all so that he could have an eternity with you. But he's not come yet. Why? Because John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loves the world that his desire is that none should perish. None should come to the end of their life without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
And the only way that happens today is because of you and because of me. His plan is to use a flawed humanity to bring about a perfect gospel. If you were on the walls of my life and on the inner wall ears, if you were the inner ears of my mind and my heart, you would question why I pastor a church oftentimes. But the reality is, is he uses a flawed person to bring about a perfect gospel. You are the flawed person that he wants to use. If you're a child in here and you're still with us, it's a miracle. Maybe you can write down today or tonight or even right now, what is the one thing you want to do to help someone else? I always want to teach our children to serve and help others. And the last thing is this. You have to believe. You have to ask. You have to know. And you have to believe that you were created on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. You have to know that, church. You were created on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose. Psalm chapter 37, verse 23. The Bible says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Listen. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand.